This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. Thank you, worship team, for those wonderful worship songs this morning. And I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 4. We're in a brand new series called The Life Worth Living. You know, Jesus did not hide from us the life he wanted us to live. And he's actually given us uh, these seven lessons that we'll be in the next few weeks. And we're going to be studying exactly what he said about living a life based on the principles of his word. And I'm really looking forward to this series. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about the principle and the lesson overcoming temptation. You know, everyone faces temptation. I don't care how old or how young or how much experience you have in facing temptation. Every person experienced temptation. And can I just let you in on a little secret that Jesus faced temptation? Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. Now we're here at the property and uh, it's so good to be out here. It's a beautiful day and uh, so thankful that you're joining with us this morning. But Uh, You know, Jesus was in a more barren wilderness. Every spring, uh, we have flowers and trees and and green grass that comes. It quickly fades when the sun uh, starts to kind of dry everything up. But but Jesus was in a wilderness that was barren. And uh, some of you know this story. The devil tempted him with bread. We're going to talk about how he resisted that. He tempted him uh, with a position, with Uh, with significance and brought him up into uh, a mountain and showed him uh, everything. I I imagine him bringing him up onto a precipice, maybe like some of these hills, and looking over to a city like Palmdale and and, and offering him specific positions and and fame. And, And then he brought him up into the temple and he offered him a way out of the cross. And uh, and so we're going to talk about how Jesus uh, looked at him and said, don't tempt the Lord thy God and how he resisted and overcame that temptation. Uh, But you know, I, I was thinking about where we left off in our last series. We left off at Adam and Eve. Last week, we, we finished our, our series on It's Complicated, the relationship series, and we talked about the fact that Adam and Eve were faced with temptation, and what did they do? They didn't overcome it. They gave into the temptation. Now, here's the beautiful thing. Jesus picked up where Adam and Eve left off, and he overcame the temptation that they were unable to resist. Now, all throughout the Gospels, and really all throughout the Bible, I believe God's trying to tell us something. He's trying to tell us that temptation can be overcome. Let me say that again. Temptation can be overcome. I want you to say that at home. Temptation can be overcome. I'm going to ask those that are here with me. Temptation can be overcome. I just want you to say that to yourself because Jesus uh, tells us in Matthew chapter 6, he tells us other places uh, to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, Did you know that God uh, wanted us to pray that because he wanted us to know that it was possible to overcome temptation? He tells us to pray, specifically pray to not just uh, be removed from evil, but lead us not into temptation. D.L. Moody, one of my favorite preachers from the past, one of my favorite authors, said this, 
He said, every temptation you overcome makes you stronger to overcome additional temptation. While every temptation that defeats you, that you give into, makes you weaker and weaker. So the choice is yours. You can be stronger and stronger, or you can be weaker and weaker. I just believe that our church needs this word today, and we need to hear the fact that Jesus has given us the keys to overcoming temptation. The life that he offers that's worth living, the life that you can live even in quarantine, the life you can live even in this crisis, is the life of overcoming temptation. You know, the sad thing is, Satan's not in quarantine. The sad thing is, Satan's still just as active as he was before this crisis. And I want you to know that God has given you the power to overcome Satan. God has given you the power to overcome death, sin, and the grave. That's what we celebrated with the resurrection celebration last week. Boy, I hope that was a blessing to you. All all of you that joined us online, those of you that joined us for our drive-in service, it was such a wonderful time of celebration. What were we celebrating? We were celebrating the fact that he has overcome. He has overcome the grave. He has overcome sin. And in coming back to life, he overcame temptation. Now, there's two keys to overcoming temptation. And the first key is to consider what is full and what is empty. Consider what is full and what is empty. The second key is to predetermine the value of every priority. Predetermine the value of every priority. And what I want you to do is I want you to go on our website, download the notes for this, because I believe that this will really help you. I think as you meditate on this this week, as we go into our life groups on Wednesday and we're talking about uh, transforming truths and talking about overcoming, I believe that this will be an incredible help to you. By the way, it's been an incredible help to me. So kids, I want you to listen up. I I want you to learn something. Teens, I want you to be engaged. And I want every family, every person watching, whether you're in your car or in your house or whether you're watching this later, I want you to know that these keys are attainable and accessible to you as well. So let's look at the first one. I want to consider what is full and what is empty. And to begin overcoming temptation, we must consider this. How do we do that? I want to ask you four questions from the first four verses of Luke chapter 4. First, I want to ask you the question, are you filled with the Spirit? Consider, are you filled with the Holy Spirit of God? You see, in verse number 1 of Luke chapter 4, Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, let me just tell you, I'm in the wilderness, and I'm, I'm looking up around me, and I am seeing the topography that Jesus would have seen. I am seeing those, those pinion trees, and I'm seeing uh, the, the tumbleweeds, and I am seeing the topography he would have seen. Now, a little more dried out, most likely, but this is a wilderness. And I want you to know that the Holy Spirit led him into that wilderness. He was full of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit led him to a barren place. And before we talk about a barren place, because I think we'll all identify with that, I want to talk about being full of the Holy Spirit like Jesus was. That's a key to considering whether we're overcoming temptation or not. And I want to remind you that the word being full, this pleuris, is the Greek word that we would get the word plethora or plethora or, or something that's that's plenty of. He, he had plenty of the Holy Spirit. It was like overabounding and to be completely covered with. 
but it also means to be more mature today than you were yesterday. Are you more full of the Holy Spirit today than you were yesterday? Man, I hope as a result of this uh, short talk that you will be. But let me just tell you something. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 5.18, Be not drunk with wine, we're in his excess. So he said, don't be controlled with wine. And, and then he uses that analogy to say, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, some of you have heard me say this. The word be filled in this verse, verse 18, is being filled. It, it literally could read, but being filled with the Holy Spirit. So be being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a filling up. And I just want you to know that every person has a choice to be filled with the Spirit or to be filled with the flesh. You're either pouring out fleshly thoughts and pouring out fleshly you know, desires or you're pouring out the fruits of the Spirit. You see, in Galatians 5, it tells us that whatever we're full of, it, it can carry us away. Uh, in, in verse 19, the works of the flesh are manifest. They're, they're flowing out of you. The works of the flesh, the, the things that we don't even want to do, is, as Paul said in Romans 7. But then in verse number 22, it says, But the fruit, the result of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. So all of these things are pouring out of you. Uh, now, Pastor Joe, pass me that, uh, that jug right there, uh, the, the pitcher. And... Um, <clears throat> If, if I were to fill this up with, with dirty water and, and, and with things just floating around it, man, you would not want to drink it. But if I, if I filled this up with, with iced coffee, let me tell you, you would want to drink it. If you were really thirsty on a hot day and, and, you, and you needed water. By the way, when Jesus was in the wilderness, how many of you know he drank water? Now, he had to have some sort of water to keep himself going. But if I filled this up with clean, pure water, man, it could refresh you. If I filled it up with, with iced coffee, man, it could give you a kick. It could, it could kind of keep you going. But let me just tell you something. Whatever you're full of, that will carry you away. In fact, when he says that he was full of the Holy Spirit, here you go. When he says that he was full of the Holy Spirit, he was, he was saying that he was full of, of the Spirit. He was, he was strengthened by the Spirit. He was, and then what, what happened in verse number one? He was led of the Spirit. The word led means to be carried away. It literally is the word for arrested, uh, the word to go. And, and it means to be taken away on purpose. Now, where was he taken away to? And I've often thought to myself, why the wilderness? Why, why did the Holy Spirit lead him into the wilderness? I, I want you to listen to this. And if you can't hear me well, I want you to turn this up because I believe that the wilderness is something that we all identify with. The word wilderness here is the word for isolation, a, a solitary place, a desolate place, a lonely place. It's really a helpless place. The Holy Spirit put Jesus in that place so that he could identify with our wilderness. Some of you, your wilderness is loneliness. And, and, and you're just having trouble connecting with friends, family, maybe church family. You just maybe, maybe you have uh, some support group, but it's very small and, and you feel helpless. You feel lonely. Uh, some of you, uh, this, this time of desolation is you're like, my bank account is desolate. I mean, it's, it's completely lacking. Some of you are like, you know what? My 
my patience is lacking. I mean, the homeschool and all of the rules from the CDC and everything that's going on right now, man, I just feel like I'm in a desolate place. I just want you to know that Jesus knows how you feel. Jesus knows how you feel. And he knows, he sees your wilderness place. And he knows that what that feels like. Friend, he wants to meet you at your desolate place, at your place of wilderness. Jesus was not just in the wilderness once. In fact, when the crowds were pressing on him in this next chapter, in Luke chapter 5, uh, what did he do? He, he went to a wilderness. He went into a wilderness place and he prayed. You see, he retreated to a place without people, without distractions. He, he went there and, and, and it was a place to be filled up with the Spirit, to be filled with peace, to be filled with strength. And I want to let you know that God will often lead you to an empty place to experience a greater filling of his spirit. So are you filled with the spirit? If you're not filled with the spirit, friend, there is no way to overcome temptation. That is our first line of defense is being filled with the spirit so the grace of God can empower us to overcome temptation. Whatever your temptation is, are you filled with the spirit? But verse number two, he doesn't stop. Because in verse number two, we see the second question. And that is this, are you empty of yourself? Are you empty of yourself? And in verse number two, it says, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days, he did eat nothing. When the days were ended, he afterward hungered. Now Matthew goes out of its way to point out the fact that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Okay, it adds the nights in there. And afterward, he hungered. So what, what this is telling us is that, man, he was really, really hungry. And, and it came after the 40 days. Now, what was he hungry for? Do you know that Satan knows what you're hungry for? Satan knows what to tempt you with. Now, here's the beautiful thing. God also knows that and he can give you the strength. But what did Satan tempt Jesus with? Moms, did Satan tempt Jesus with kale? I don't think so. Did Satan tempt uh, him with vegetables? I'm not saying kale or vegetables are bad. But you know what Jesus tempted him with? Something I love so much. And that is bread. Jesus was tempted with bread. Now, what would pizza be without crust? What would peanut butter and jelly be without bread? Let me tell you something. I'm just so glad that my Savior loved bread because I love bread. And if you can't have gluten, I'm so sorry. That's such a sacrifice for you. You will receive a crown for that. No, let me just tell you something. He liked bread. What was the last thing? If you could pick anything for the Last Supper, what could it be? He broke bread. Let me tell you something, that there is a wonderful truth to be had here. And that is God knows what we want. God knows what we desire. In fact, God knows what we need. And I want you to know something, that God understands what your desire is. I love bread. I think anyone who knows me knows that's my, that's my weakness. My weakness is bread. Let me set this down. <clears throat> my weakness is bread. And when he was tempted, the word tempted here is to try to trap, to make full proof of, to attempt 
to examine or put to the test. He was putting his physical and spiritual uh, mind and body and spirit and soul to the test. So how was he testing? What was the devil testing? Not who was he testing? He was testing Jesus. What was he testing? Did you ask yourself that? What was the devil testing in Jesus? What was he trying to prove? What was he trying to do? And, and what does he want to test in you? What is he aiming? What is he trying to get at in you? Why is he tempting you? Why does he constantly tempt you? You say, Satan always tempts me in, in different ways. I, I understand that. But I truly believe that Satan consistently tests our reliance on the Holy Spirit. See, verse 1 says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Satan is always going to test. Are you going to be full of yourself? Or are you going to be full of the Spirit? And we have to empty ourselves to be filled with the Spirit. And so Jesus was so intent on the spiritual battle and so intent on being full of the Spirit that he actually did not hunger until the 40th day when Satan left. When Satan left, wow, the hunger came. When Satan tempted him, I'm sure the hunger was coming. Let me just tell, tell you something, that Satan is constantly going to be tempting. One, one person, I think it was Vance Habner, says this, opportunity knocks once, but temptation beats the door, beats on the door. It leans on the doorbell. Friend, temptation is consistent. It's constant. And so are you filled with the Spirit? Are you empty of yourself? And then let her see. And the third question is this. Are you filled with the truth? Are you filled with the truth? You see, in verse number three, the devil said, if you be the Son of God, or since you're the Son of God, that could be translated that, command this stone to be made bread. You know what he tempted him with? Turning rocks into rolls. <laughs> Literally, hey, if you're the Son of, if you could do anything, if you created the world, why don't you just create rolls? Why don't you create bread out of these rocks? You could do that. What was he trying to get him to do? Well, Jesus lets us in on the secret. Verse number four, Jesus answered him saying, it is written. So he speaks the truth to his temptation, to his tempter. He speaks the truth. He says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You know, Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. It says that he might make you to know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. That's Deuteronomy 8.3. Jesus was quoting scripture to Satan. The next time Satan gets up on your shoulder, and I'm sure it's going to be soon. Friend, let me just encourage you to be filled with the truth and allow the truth to set you free. Remember Jesus said that in John 8. The truth will make you free, friend, if you will quote the truth to your tempter and quote the truth to your temptation. You see, long before the CDC and the government had its list of essential and non-essential things, God had placed a list of essential things. And the first was, it's the truth. The second is, it's the spirit of truth that guides us into all truth. So moms, let me encourage you to get the prayer and Bible and the Ten Commandments back in the schools. Make sure that you're praying the truth. Make sure that you're teaching the truth. Make sure you're giving the truth. Listen, we have a great opportunity to, to make sure our kids are getting the truth. Dads, let me encourage you. Uh, make sure your family knows the priority you have of the, on the truth. Let me encourage you to make truth an important part of your day, important part of your life. Teens. 
Listen, be careful not to believe the lies of culture. Compare those lies of culture to the truth. Man, Pastor Joe's doing a great job encouraging you in that area. Uh, Kids, listen up, kids. Listen, even my boys, come on, listen up. I want you to understand that you can understand the truth. That God wants you to be fed with the truth, to be growing in the truth. And so are you filled with the Spirit? Are you empty of yourself? Are you filled with the truth? And are you empty of worship? Now, why do I say be empty of worship? Can I explain something that, that, that the Lord just really gripped my heart with this week? And that is we were never meant to be filled with worship for ourselves or for anything else. We were meant to pour worship out. We were meant to pour worship out to the Lord, our maker. We were meant to pour praise to others and gratitude to others. And you know, when we start to hoard, be hoarders of our own praise, it only makes us sick. It only makes us weary of ourselves. Why? We were never meant to drink our own glory. We were never meant to bring uh, praise to ourselves. We were always meant to bring praise first to God and then to others. And so Luke tells us about this temptation. Luke chapter 4, and and continuing in verse number uh, 5, it says this, the devil taking him up on the high mountain. Boy, there's some high mountains around here. And and, uh, I think of Angelus Crest and uh, and, and Mount Baldy and some high mountains. Imagine being way up on that high mountain. You see for miles. He brings him up into a high mountain and uh, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world uh, at a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them. Then he says this, for that is delivered unto me to whomsoever I will give it. Let me tell you something. You know what he was offering? He was offering praise that already belonged to Jesus. He was offering dominion that already belonged to Jesus. And you know what the devil's going to want to promise you? He's going to promise you something Jesus has already promised you. God wants you to know that you're made in his image, that you're welcomed at his table to be his child. And he wants you to know that everything the devil offers you, he can't deliver you. But everything Jesus offers you, he can deliver. He can deliver on his promises. And verse number seven says this, if thou wilt worship me, all shall be thine. You know, I think Jesus saw right through this fake promise he was not about to worship satan in that moment but satan showed all of his cards satan wants you desperately not to worship your creator you know what he wants he wants you to worship you he wants you to worship anything other than your king your savior your creator And so Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written. There's the truth again. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Now this week I was wondering, wait a second. Satan never said anything about serving. He said, worship me. How come Jesus adds in the part of Scripture about, and him only shalt thou serve? Well, Jesus knew this that we always serve what we worship and we worship what we serve. Jesus knew that. And so here's the key thought from this first key. And that is this, 
that no one can overcome temptation by focusing on temptation. You say, what? Did you know that the moment you start focusing on temptation, you take your eyes off of the truth. You take your eyes off of the spirit. You take your eyes off of God. You see, no one can overcome temptation by focusing on temptation because anything other than a God focus is a self-focus. And I want you to know that sometimes Satan can really trip us up. He comes through the back door of pride. We overcome one temptation. We think, oh man, I'm doing great. I'm doing fantastic. In fact, I'm really good at this temptation thing. You know what he's done? He's just tempted you with pride. And he's come right in the back door of pride. And I want you to know, don't fall for his traps. Just keep your focus on God. And, and that's the life worth living. You see, there is a way of escape. There is a way of escape. And, and, in, and in Corinthians 10, it tells us about this. He that, him that, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. That's the back door of temptation. Then he says this. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful. Let me tell you, even in a crisis like this, God is faithful. Even when we can't meet, God is faithful. God is so faithful to you. God loves you. And he, this is God who uh, uh, suffer, or he is faithful. God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. You know, a lot of times people stop right there. I want to read the next verse. Verse 14 says this. Wherefore, dearly beloved, flee, flee idolatry. Can I tell you something? That God never meant for anything but Him to be the main thing. Amen. See, when good things become the main thing, they actually become harmful things, bad things. Jesus is the only one who should have preeminence, should have first place in your heart and in your life. When I first married Danielle, we used to watch this, uh, this show called Locked Up Abroad. I think it's still uh, airing. I haven't watched it uh, very much recently, but, but Locked Up Abroad. And one, some of my favorite episodes were uh, when the people who were locked up uh, were able to escape. And man, it was exhilarating. But you know, some of the saddest episodes were people who spent years and years and years behind bars in some of the world's worst prisons. Can I tell you, you don't have to be bound by your temptations that so easily beset us. You do not have to be bound by your sin. You don't have to be living a life just going from one high to the next high to, to one desire to the next. You don't have to be in bondage to yourself, friend. Can I tell you today that God has given you a way of escape and it's being filled with the Spirit and filled with truth and it's worshiping Him as first priority in your life. And that leads us to our second key. If you want to consider what is full, what is empty, and we want to predetermine the value of every priority. Predetermine the value of every priority. Now we're almost finished. But let me give you this. In verse number 9 through verse number 13, he gives us a predetermined value on an incredibly important priority. In fact, the most important priority. So how do we predetermine the value of our priorities? Well, letter A. We must filter priorities through scripture. This is what Jesus said. 
when, when the devil brought Jesus to Jerusalem, verse 9, and set him up on a pinnacle of the temple, and he said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, now, now get this, this is, this is a, a pretty remarkable statement. Satan is quoting scripture. This is Satan talking. For it is written, and, and he's quoting uh, Psalm 91, 11 and 12. He says, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. C can I tell you that Jesus and Satan just had a battle over Scripture? And, and obviously Jesus won. But Jesus knew that Satan was taking Psalm 91 out of context. He was taking Psalm 91 out of context. Now let me read you what Psalm 91 actually says. So it does say what, what Satan quoted, but there's so much more to the context. I want you to hear this. In Psalm 91 verse 9 it says, Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge. You know, I want you to know that the Lord's your refuge during this time. Even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Satan left that little piece out to keep thee in all thy ways. You know, he wasn't filtering his priorities through scripture. He was misquoting scripture. In fact, in verse number 13, it says, Thou shalt tread upon the, upon the lion and the adder. Who's the adder? It's Satan. Satan just left that part out. The young lion and dragon shalt thou trample under feet. You know, we can have victory uh, through the Spirit and through the truth that the Spirit can use. That's why it's so important to memorize Scripture. That's why it's so important in uh, Ephesians 6, uh, 17 that we have the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of truth. Listen, when you face temptation, don't take a butter knife of your own thoughts. Uh, don't, don't take a spoon of your own words and ideas. No, combat it with the sword of the Spirit, the sword of truth. That's the only thing that's sharper than any two-edged sword. And so Satan was tempting Jesus with a shortcut. And the shortcut was to pass the cross and just uh, throw himself down and make a huge spectacle in the temple. And everyone believes. And then, and then he just get, receives the, the glory and, and, and then he enters into the kingdom. No, that, that's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus came uh, to suffer and to die for you and for me. And it was that day when Jesus said, no, I will not take a shortcut. I am going to go to the cross because there are people who need me to pay for their sin. So here's the key thought. The intersection of temptation is found between the tension of what we want and what God wants. And this tension was felt in the garden. Luke chapter 22, Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. He, 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 he knew that what would be difficult. He knew it would be difficult. But, but it was that tension between the two. And, and it's really important for us to understand uh, the fact that we must identify 
the, the value of our priorities. And we identify the value of our priorities through prayer. And so we must come filter every priority through Scripture. And we must identify the value of our priorities through prayer. Jesus prayed at the garden. Jesus prayed on the cross. Jesus prayed in, in times of difficulty. And so I, I want to illustrate the tension between those. Uh, using something that was given to me when I was in high school. Pastor Joe, give me this. Um, and that's a, a, a compound bow. Uh, the way these things work, and uh, uh, the way these things work is, is you, you, you know, you're holding it in one hand and you're pulling it back with the other. And, and when you start to pull it back, man, it's really difficult, really hard, lots of tension. And then when you get to a certain point, it gets so much easier. It gets so much easier. But that first pull, oh, it's so hard. And then it gets easier. Now, this only works if pressure is applied. Let me just tell you something that a lot of you are under a lot of pressure. A lot of you under, are under extreme tension. And I want you to know that, that pulling a bow back is only good if you don't stop. You have to be all in. And I want you to know that in your Christian life, and if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that, that you have to be all in. Every relationship only works if you're all in. And here's the takeaway I want to give you before we close today, and that is this. We must choose what is best over what is easy. Because what is best is rarely easy, and what is easy is rarely best. I want you to know that it's not easy to resist temptation. But you're not using your power. You want to use the power of the Spirit, the power of prayer, the power of worship, the power of the Holy Ghost. Let me just tell you that, that God has offered that power to you. Jesus didn't take the easy route, and neither should we. Jesus endured temptation. And in verse number 11, here's the payoff. Here's where it got a lot easier. The devil le left him, and the angels ministered unto him. You know, God can only minister to you if you're his child. I want you to know that for his children, those who know him as their savior, 1 John 4, 4 gives us a promise that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. John 1, verse 11 says this, he, Jesus, came in, uh, came unto his own. He came into the world. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Can I tell you that Jesus wants you to believe on his name? If you're not his child, he wants to welcome you into his family. You do not have access and authority. You do not have the power to overcome temptation. You cannot live the life that is worth living without being a child of God. I want to ask, is there anyone out there who might want to know 100% sure that you're his child? I want you to raise your hand. I might not see you. Thank you. Some even here raising their hand, wanting to become a child of God. If you're raising your hand at home, I want you to know that God is reaching out his hand towards you. And he and, he, and he's, the, the kingdom of heaven's nigh, it's at hand, it's close. All you have to do is reach out and take this gift of eternal life, this gift of salvation. 
I want to lead you in a prayer. In a moment, I'm going to pray for all of us, a prayer of blessing and protection. I want to lead you in a prayer. I would encourage you. I would encourage you to pray this prayer. The prayer doesn't save you, but believing on the name of Jesus does. This is a great thing to know for certain that you're on your way to heaven, that you have the power to overcome temptation. I want to encourage you to pray this. I'm going to lead you in the prayer. I'll say it and you repeat it after me. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I know you're a savior. So I turn from my sin and I receive you as my savior. Say this to the Lord. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for coming back to life. Thank you for conquering death in the grave. Thank you for being willing to save me and forgive me of my sins. I receive you now. I trust you and you alone. Uh, Friend, if you prayed that prayer, if you prayed that prayer, God welcomes you into his family. And and we want to welcome you as well. Well, I'd love to give you some resources and and, uh, I'd love to be a help to you in any way uh, that we can. And I would encourage you to text us. We're going to put this number up on the the screen, but I would encourage you to text me at 661-450-8761. And uh, tell me the decision you made. I also would encourage you to, uh, to, to text that number if you have a need or a prayer request. Uh, but friend, if you're a child of God, now that you are, let me, let me encourage you uh, to resist temptation the way that Jesus resisted it. Get in the Bible. Get in the truth. Rely on the Spirit. Worship Him. And allow Him to be your comfort and your guide. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.